0: Man, I sure hope that my kids graduate with massive amounts of debt and are financially strangled for a decade or five before they're paid off, said no parent ever. Well, in today's episode, we're going to show you how a debt-free degree is possible, even if you haven't saved a dime or your kids are already in college.
1: Welcome to the Wallet Win
0: Podcast. Each week, we take a look at a different piece of the personal finance puzzle. I'm Jonathan Texera. And I'm Amanda Texera. We're your guides on your journey to getting out of debt, building wealth, and changing the world through generosity. Here we go. Student loans are literally defining a generation right now. It's very clear. There's been plenty of articles out there on how it's impacting the lives of millennials when it comes to either marriage or home buying or having children. And I think that we're only at the beginning stages of seeing how it's going to impact our economy long term. Because right now, 17% of loans are in default, which is $135 billion, And that number continues to rise. And Jonathan and I's own story, it started when we got married and shared between the two of us almost $25,000 in debt. And much of that was student loans. And we'd already been paying on that for four years. At the time, our income was only $35,000 take home. So we felt really crippled and strangled by these student loans. And that's ultimately what led to our decision to blow that popsicle stand and leave them in the rearview mirror as fast as possible. But I've often thought, What if we'd never had them to start? Oh my goodness, the opportunities that would have been sitting there before us, the things that we could have done, the moves we could have made to really invest in our future, uh, and that would have really set our family up to live exactly the life that we had desired. It could be amazing, but we can't go back, and our story is what it is. But what we can do now is prevent this generation-defining debt from continuing. And in today's episode, a friend of ours, Jocelyn Panita Pearson over at the Scholarship System, she's joining me for a chat about how to get a debt-free degree. And specifically, she's breaking down four myths that surround scholarships and how they're really yours for the taking. You just have to know the right steps to take. So join me in this chat with Jocelyn. Get your pens out, get your notebooks, because there are some gold nuggets to be had today. See you in there. Thank you so much for joining us, Jocelyn. I am so excited for you to share with our listeners not only your story, uh, but four myths around scholarships that might be getting in the way of people making progress with getting them. Um, so, thank you so much for joining us on the Wallowin podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, why don't we just get started with you kind of backing the train up here and telling us a little bit about your own story of how you got started going down this path in the first place?
1: Yeah. So my story really started off my junior year in high school where my parents sat us down and said, you know, we love you um, and we know you need to go to college. However, there's no way we can afford this. So you guys are on your own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from that moment on, I was just kind of panicking a little bit. I was like, you know, I mean, we're looking at a near six figure investment at this time, even still, even though I've graduated years ago, it's, you know, it, it's been expensive for quite some time now. And right. I just, I knew I did not want to take out student loans. And, um, actually one of the, the helpful things was with this was when I was in my junior year as well, one of my professors had us watch Dave Ramsey's financial peace university nice. and, Oh my! And it made me terrified of getting in debt. So, <laughs> so when they sat us down, they were like, "Yeah, I mean, you're either gonna have to figure it out, or you're gonna have to take out loans." And immediately, Financial Peace University came to mind, and I was like, "No, nope, not There's doing that. I don't want to ever have to look at that snowball." Um, <laughs> And, and so I was talking to a friend's mom and she said, you know, Jocelyn, if you can apply for scholarships during your senior year in in high school, you can get paid for four years. And like most teenagers, Hmm. I mean, that sounds pretty nice, you know, work for one year and get four years of payments. Okay. You know, sign me up. So, and like most other teenagers as well, what I did was I started on this scholarship hunt and I was looking for easy scholarships because those were, well, they were easy. Right. And so I started applying to what I thought were legitimate scholarships, which I later then found out that they weren't. Ooh. And you'll not be surprised to hear that after an entire year of submitting dozens and dozens and dozens of applications, I didn't hear back from any. Uh, and no. but- Yeah, yeah. So wasted tons of time. So while, you know, one individual one was quick, overall, the compounded time was a lot, a lot of lost time. Mm. Uh, But fortunately, I found one small local scholarship that I had to submit an essay. And this was at the end of junior year. And I did. And I won $500. And, you know, parents that are listening to this, they're probably thinking $500. That doesn't even cover textbooks these days. (laughs) Uh, Right. But but the bigger thing here at Play was that it showed me, okay, wait a minute, Jocelyn, there are scholarships that are legitimate. You just mm-hmm. need to know what you're looking for. And so from then on, I started tweaking my strategy. I started really fine-tuning it and... Next thing I knew, I started winning my senior year. I started winning more and more scholarships and I got enough to cover my freshman year. And then my freshman year, I applied for more and I got enough to cover my sophomore year and so on and so forth. And by the end of college, I had surpassed six figures in scholarships.
0: Oh my gosh. You know, I think that's so unique because I think a lot of people think you have to apply and get your whole college covered before you get to college. And Uh you were doing this as you went.
1: Yeah, so that is a huge golden nugget here. And we're gonna talk about a lot of myths that might surprise people, but yeah, exactly. I love that you caught onto that. A lot of parents think, once my student graduates high school, whatever the situation mm. is as of my freshman year, that's what it has to be for the remaining three, right. four years. And that's not the case. You can change the situation. So, wow. you know, this is helpful for parents with young students all the way through college years.
0: Yeah, I mean, in some way it's like, you know, Studies show that having a part-time job can actually help a college student maintain a higher GPA because they mm-hmm. just are learning time management skills. And uh, a, t- a part-time job of getting scholarships seems like it would pay an awful lot more than an $8 campus job. <laughs>
1: that, yes. You know, we, ha- we had one student the other day, uh, one of the families, a mom shared that her student finally won. Um, I think it was like a a two thousand dollars scholarship, and I I asked her. I said, "Well, how many hours do you think she's put into all of the applications and materials?" And she's like, "Probably about ten solid, hardworking hours," mm. and I was like wait a minute, $2,000 divided by 10. Do you realize exactly. your daughter just made $200 an hour? Yes. And she's like, "Ooh, you know, when it's your first win and you've only won one, it's hard to think of it that way. But yeah, when you divide by an hourly rate, it's a pretty good part-time job for students.
0: Totally. Um, and I, I wrote down here that you mentioned like legit scholarships and non-legit mm. scholarships. I don't know if we're going to talk about that in the four myths, but how did you eventually come to realize the difference between a legit one and a non-legit one?
1: You know, oh it God. was a painful process. It was really <laughs> a path, if I'm being honest. And that's why the scholarship system exists, right? Because yeah, right. I realized, oh my gosh, people don't need to go through this. I figured it out, right? Mm, so, yes. um, you know, and, and, but it was, it was guess and check. And it was, okay, those are spamming me. Those are not. This one I won. Which ones did I win? Um, Which essays worked? So it was really just fine tuning by guess and check and narrowing down. And then once I got to college and I had, I'd say by my sophomore year, I had a uh, I had a system. I mean, that's why it's right. called the scholarship system. I had right. a very clear system to where I only had to submit a few applications, and I got enough to cover the the next year. So, you know, once you know what you're looking for. But, I mean, mm-hmm. to to break it down quickly to tell, so that because I don't want anyone to waste their time on on fake scholarships or, or scams. The the biggest thing is there's there's a spectrum, and the way that I look at it is on one end of the spectrum you have scholarships that take. Five, ten, maybe 15 minutes to apply to. Mm -hmm. And these are often the no essay scholarships, the niche scholarships, the enter to win scholarships, the monthly drawing ones. Mm -hmm. You know, these typically ask for very basic information and maybe they'll ask for 200 words or something like that as as far as their quote unquote essay. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have scholarships that will take Uh, you know, a lot of materials, maybe they ask for recommendation letters, transcripts, an essay, you have to submit your resume. So these are way more intensive. But the reason these are legitimate is because they are now basing their decision off of your qualifications, Mm -hmm. not based off your entry. We don't want, you know, I I sometimes get pushback about scholarships where they're like, ah, that's basically luck. Well, yes, if you're applying to ones that are based on luck, then yes, Mm. it's based on luck. Right. But if you're applying to ones where they are asking every question under the sun about your student's competitiveness, that's where we can increase our chances, right? I can become right. more competitive. I can mm-hmm. write better essays, I can submit better materials. So in my mind, that the scholarships on the other end of the spectrum, those are the ones that I have I can increase my chances of winning by you know improving my efforts just like increasing my chances of getting a job offer. For example, right. or increasing my chances of getting into a university, um, but of course they take more work up front. But you can submit way less applications because it's not based on luck.
0: Right. I think that I mean that's just so important to share with people, and uh, in some ways, like the, that similar principle carries over to kind of what we do with personal finance. Like, there's a lot of scammers out there in the industry of personal finance, um, mm-hmm. whether it's somebody work you know a retirement investor or whatnot, and after a while. If you've been at it enough and you have enough experience, you can kind of begin to see common traits of the scammy ones you should avoid uh, and and the right ones that are um, in alignment with your values and they have the answers to the questions you want. So I think, um, you know, it's very similar. Like you've come up, we've come up with a way for people to avoid pitfalls in the personal finance realm and how to avoid skeezy, sleazy scammers. And you've done
1: the same thing in the scholarship world exactly and and you know it's it's similar in the sense too uh, sometimes i get like one of the things with scholarships is you should not have to pay to apply mm. so you know if if the rotary club of scamville says <laughs> you have to submit uh, obviously i'm pulling this out of nowhere but yeah. uh, if Rotary Club of Scamville says you have to pay a $49 fee in order to submit an application to be considered, that mm. is we don't want to do that. But some parents confuse that with paying for advice, right? right. So there's different there's a difference between paying to be able to put your name in the in the in the hat and paying for advice to improve your competitiveness or right. just like with finances, right? So if someone tells you, "Oh, I can guarantee you, I double your money. You just have to pay this upfront fee." Mm-hmm. Um versus people like you. Okay, yeah, you're paying a fee, but it's to get access to information so that we can grow our knowledge, so that we can improve yes. our chances of wealth. That's totally different. So, yep, I do exactly. want to mention that too.
0: Um, so I can I can already kind of hear the thoughts of people listening in. Uh, you know, I'm not smart enough. I don't have an athletic bone in my body. Um, I don't have time.
1: Just kind of some
0: of these, maybe these myths that you commonly bump into, and I know we want to dive into some of these now. Um, what are kind of these four common myths that you run into with people and how do you dispel them?
1: Yeah. So you've hit some of them on the head. So first I (laughs) want to talk about the first myth I want to address is timing. So we've kind of already addressed it a little bit. It's not, it's never too late. Right. So I mentioned I was applying for scholarships all the way through college. Uh, So even those who have students that are already heading their way to college, maybe you had to take loans out the first year, they can still change the trajectory of their way of paying for college. So it's never too late. In fact, my, my final check that I cashed was on the way home from college graduation. It what? was a, it was a $500 <laughs> award. Yeah. <That's> great. <laughs> I know. I, I, it was especially great when you're about to go into
0: summer break. Um, right. And you've already paid the, the, uh, tuition yeah. bills. So it's just money in your pocket now.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and then as far as it never being too early now, you have young children, so this might be interesting to you. There are scholarships out there for children as young as four years old. I think oh, your wow. oldest is four, right? Yes. <laughs> now, obviously, these are far and few between, but they do exist where uh, a child just has to draw a picture. And if they win, they're enter- or they're, um, they receive a bond that what? will mature when they turn 18. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, that's
0: great. She's a little so, budding artist, so maybe yeah, we're... Oh.
1: Yep, she loves to draw, so hook us up, girl. (laughs) There you go, yeah. And, you know, I only tell this story to show the extreme end, but that said, there are scholarships for students 13 years old, 14, 15. So with students that are in high school, the beginning of high school, a lot of families don't think about scholarships until Mm. they've chosen the school and they realize, holy cow, we have no Mm -hmm. way of paying for this. At that point, it's, again, never too late, but you could have already had some wins under your belt, some materials created and all this. So, in fact, the earlier the better, but it's never too early either. So, that's one of the first big myths is timing. Okay. The second one that I like to cover is around what you talked about. Well, my student doesn't have a perfect GPA or they're not the next Tim Tebow or Michael Jordan. Uh, Those are – that's a common one that I hear about. and. Mm When you're applying to universities and you want money from the university, a lot of that, they, those scholarships are called are called merit-based scholarships. Those are based on merit. A lot of times those are based on ACT, SAT test scores, GPA. However, there are some universities that have scholarships that they will give for as low as a 2.5 GPA or I've seen a 17 on the ACT. So, and you know, I don't want to belittle anyone that's lower than that, but that is not a perfect GPA or SAT or ACT test score by any means. So there are still merit-based scholarships that students would be surprised. Now, is that at their top university choice? Probably not. They might have to be more Mm open-minded, but they are out there. But alternatively, there are private scholarships Where you can get them from all these outside organizations that, I mean, for example, us through the scholarship system, we give out scholarships as well to give back, and we ask for GPA only as a backup for a tiebreaker. We do not use it, and we have never Mm. had to use it for a decision-making factor. And so as far as these test scores, you have to be an Einstein. There are, there's money out there for students that are even the average student. In fact, my, my SAT score when I was in high school was these days, it's well below average. So I was no Einstein. Um, and as far as athletic skills, we'll, we'll tell them about the webinar later, but I tell a very funny story about the lack of athleticism that I have. I mean, my, my grandmother still makes fun of me for not being so, so there was um, no way you
0: were going to get a full ride
1: on volleyball or something. Goodness, no. If anything, they <laughs> not to go. They'd be. <laughs> um, and I mean, even then, athletes, less than 2% of them get scholarships. So it, af- banking on athleticism is very, very risky. So that's what I'm saying is that there is money out there for students that do not have a perfect GPA, are not the next Einstein, are not the next Thibault, Tim Tebow. Right. <clears throat> And the other one is, well, okay, but we make too much. Mm. And that's another thing. And this is a huge golden nugget that I'm about to drop here because I think this holds a lot of families back where they say, well, we filled out the FAFSA, which is a financial aid form for the right. government. And um, our EFC came back and we it, it says that we make too much, that we don't get any funding. And so, therefore, if I see a, a scholarship that says financial need required, we can't apply. Well. Here's what we have to share with us. And this we've learned from, by years of working with families and from our own experiences, because I have coaches now that have also done what I've done. And if it specifically says, you know, you need a zero on EFC, okay, on your expected family contribution, which means you're expected to contribute zero dollars. So you get maximum hmm. aid, then sure, fine. Okay, then you need a zero on EFC. However, a lot of them say you need, un, you have to have unmet financial need. In that example, the way we look at it and the way we teach our students and families to look at it is if your student has to take out student loans to pay for it, that is unmet need. They are having to borrow to cover the bill. That is financial need. And we have students that have received scholarships that they would not have applied to without that piece of advice because they still had financial need, even though FAFSA said otherwise. And we've interviewed scholarship committees on this even, and they have agreed. They try to consider the full picture. So that's a big one as well.
0: So basically, I mean, by any situation other than maybe the family has all the money to pay for it in cash right now, anything under that would qualify for some sort of an unmet need because there would need to be a student loan to make up the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Very interesting. Much. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, I think that's a really rare situation that Uh, a family would have all of it ready to go immediately. Right, Right. especially
1: these days because the price...
0: Right, and especially if they have multiple children.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. And this is why we like scholarships on the other end of the spectrum because they give us opportunities to explain that. You know, if they have personal statements or essay opportunities, then sometimes we have the opportunity to explain, hey, look, I know FAFSA says I'm fine, but let me explain why I'm not. So just to kind of pull things full circle. Right.
0: And I think a lot of people, you know, FAFSA or whatever, they don't when they see student loans, they think, uh, oh, it's no big deal. This isn't going to hurt anybody. Um, but really, it's like the greatest ball and chain mm. uh, on a young adult's life. And it can be something that just slows you down where, just as you're getting out the gate and out the finish line or out the starting line. Um, yeah. And it's literally defining a generation right now. Well, you know,
1: well, I think we're losing a generation because of it. Mm. And I mean, because they cannot, they can't buy rental properties. They're delaying marriage. They're delaying starting families. Not that everyone has to do that, but they, people who want to do it financially cannot. Yes. And for parents that are listening, 30% of graduates are moving back in with guess who? Mom and dad. Oh yeah. We've seen it. (laughs) Yes. So if you want, I mean, if you have a plan for retirement, if you want, I mean, it's expensive to be raising a 23 year old, you know, and helping (laughs) cover their, uh, I mean, that can really put a damper on things. Or if you want empty nest, I mean, it's not happening for a lot of these parents and some parents might think, you know, Oh, great. They can come back in. I want them back. Uh, it, it. it doesn't last long, so we're ha- we're seeing a lot of boomerang kids because they can't financially be on their own because of the student loans. So yeah, there's tons of huge consequences. I I, I could go into statistics on that for our for the whole thing. <laughs>
0: oh right, yeah. I mean, we talk about it. We felt it ourselves, and you know, when you find the rare millennial who maybe had the opportunity to graduate debt free, I mean. They just get the sky's the limit because time is on their side in every in every component uh, of their financial future, and it's just really the world's their oyster at that point. And it's just such a gift to be able to start life that way. Uh, And generations past, that's how they all started life, and then they were able to build wealth and able to have a retirement. but millennials, I mean, a lot of them are not even contributing to retirement and they're panicked about no. they can't even get their get out of student loans, they're not even worried about what's going to happen when they're 55.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and oh that's, yeah. That's going
0: to it's going to it's going to hit hit the fan eventually in our economy. We haven't mm-hmm. quite gotten there, but the defaults on student loans are rising. They're not as high as the when the market crashed with uh mortgages back in 08, but eventually they probably will match that. Right, right. So, no, yeah. I, I, agree. not to get and too deep into that, but <laughs> the effects I don't think have been felt yet.
1: Not yet, yeah. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. I mean, so I was able to graduate debt free. In fact getting six figures in scholarships, I actually got an overage check every semester to help pay for external expenses. So if I, you know, I used it for my rent, my groceries. And because of that, when I graduated, I bought a rental property within two months of graduating college. I paid off my car within two years of purchasing it, even though it was a five-year loan. I was able to start my 401k. so And and then, of course, just starting my own business. I never would have right. been able to do that if I had this big student loan bill that I had to pay. So I've had, I can personally attest to just this, a positive snowball yes, right. <laughs> effect of, of not having that student loan bill. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. Yeah. So we kind of strayed off the myth there of just like, I make too much. But I think a lot of families, uh, especially if they have dual working parents, they probably... Mm-hmm will get, you know, they probably, according to FAFSA, make too much, but don't have everything ready to bankroll that kid or kids into college. So that's a great right. myth that you pointed out, um, and that they're not just like at the mercy of student loans to make up the difference.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's one more myth that I would love to cover, and this is around which are the good scholarships. So earlier we identified what's a scam and what's not, mm-hmm. but one of the things with my path to a debt to a debt free education was that i my biggest scholarship was i think $4000 so i did not get wow. six figures in scholarships by getting you know the coca cola scholarship that was $100,000 or a mm. university offering me $100,000 my university in fact only offered me 2000 a year so i knew i had to find outside scholarships that can add up and and so when we're defining a good scholarship with our students, a lot of times they'll see these that are $500, $600, $800. And they're like, no, that's so small. That's not worth my time. Mm. But the thing is that can add up yes. very, very quickly. And that's how I worked towards a free ride. It was these smaller dollar, low hanging fruit scholarships And I slowly built those up to a free ride. So I think that's another big one. A lot of students, they think they have to get the Coca-Cola, the Dr. Pepper, or the Grand Slam from their university to get there. And of course, that's ideal. But if we're being realistic, if they're an average student like I was, that's just not going to happen. And so I really had to go for the low-hanging fruit.
0: Right. I think a lot of people, yeah, they think of scholarships, myself included, and you think the full ride and that usually only involves like very small percentage of students i would think because they're the most oh, yeah. exceptional athletes or the most intelligent and those are the ones usually with the big price tags uh mm-hmm. that come with them and i just i love that you said the biggest one you got was $4000 and really your approach then is kind of like college was death by a thousand cuts you just kind of were grabbing mm. one little thing here and there and it all added up and um i think a lot of times people just want to Um, even with, you know, with debt payoff, we help people, you know, pay off credit cards or whatnot. They think like sending an extra 20 or $30 isn't going to do anything, but it's when those add up is when, boom, you're out of debt in six months. Um, Mm. when you think that you have to sit there and save up $4,000 or whatever, that's, um, your brain, you know, it's, it, it's going to discourage you from going for it. But when you just go for these bite-sized things, and you start seeing them add up and getting the wins, I'm sure that's when you start to really feel the effects of these scholarships compounding on one another. And then you probably get the confidence, I'm imagining, at that point, to just
1: know that you can keep bankrolling this thing and doing it. Exactly. And that's where that $500, it seems like such a small win for me, but that's what it was. It was this momentum. It was this excitement. And and that's where we need to get our, our children to. We need to get them that, that first win. And that first win might take rewriting essays and reproofreading them and fine-tuning materials but if you can do that, put in the work up front, you can reuse these materials. And, you know, once you validate them and know that you were able to win money with them once, you can mm-hmm. win money with them again. And, yeah. and it gets exciting. It becomes almost like a game. It was, <laughs> I mean, to get, yeah. a, a, to get that check, it was, it was awesome.
0: And I think like what you did with the, the family that you worked with recently of helping them break down the hours versus the money they won. I mean, when you start viewing it like that, then you know solidly that you're getting paid more per hour to continue doing this. And that's just going to build confidence, too. So really, if it's a $500 scholarship, but it took you five hours, like that's a big deal. Exactly. That's a big payday. I, That's probably more than you're gonna make in
1: a day job after college. Oh, for sure. <laughs> outside of outside I said actually outside of college after my degree, I was better paid as a college student. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Uh so thank you for sharing these myths with us, Jocelyn. I can tell people are probably wondering, like, okay, this sounds really intriguing, really cool. I wanna learn more. Um, so do you actually go more in depth teaching people about how they can do this too?
1: Absolutely. So we have an entire blog where every week we post a new blog post and these are in-depth actionable blog posts. So those are totally free, but we also have a course that we walk through. So it's the scholarship system, six steps to securing scholarships for college, and so we walk them through our six-step method because, you know, but uh, getting sucked into these scams is the the first biggest reason that students don't get scholarships. But the second reason is overwhelm mm, that parents, yes. and students, they try to tackle this, they Google scholarships, you know, just the <laughs> word scholarships, and they get so overwhelmed. They have right. all this stuff, and they can't find ones they're eligible for, and they just quit. And mm-hmm. I was there. I I get it. And so we created an online course that breaks down the entire process into six easy to implement step by step actions. And so, uh, you know, it makes it more tangible. It breaks it down into milestones. And so that's, that's been huge for our families, but if they want to get a taste, for example, we mentioned a lot of these low hanging fruit scholarships. If they want to get an idea of where to find those, I have a free webinar that's about an hour long. And so they can register for that. And that would be a great place to begin this process. I cover the, the myths a little bit more in depth with some stats, and then I get into where specifically to find scholarships.
0: Awesome, and if you guys are interested in attending that webinar, you can go to walletwin.com slash scholarships and you can get registered and get in there and start learning about uh, you know, the low-hanging fruit that might be out there for you. Perfect. Yeah, so thank you again, Jocelyn. This is just filled with so many nuggets and uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom. I know that the families that are listening are probably excited to think about an- another way because we meet people so often that they're just discouraged that they are not going to be able to do anything for their kids. But you just dispelled all of that right here. And I'm excited for families to keep in touch with you, to work through that webinar, and to find another way to pay for college.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for letting me spread
0: this message. Thanks for being with us. Hey guys, you can get even more from Jocelyn this month inside WalletWin Academy june is all about raising money smart kids and that includes scholarships now in this podcast episode jocelyn talked about four scholarship myths but inside Wallet academy this month members have exclusive access to another interview we did with her in which she shares her six steps for scoring scholarships it's super practical super helpful and you can get it and loads more when you join WalletWin Academy today at WalletWin.com slash Academy. That's WalletWin.com slash Academy. Thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about this show and the WalletWin program at WalletWin.com. Music in this episode is from Dylan Gardner. Listen to his new album, Almost
1: Real, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. See you next week.